Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, maybe many of you know we did say this morning that uh, the title of my message tonight is called When Helping Hurts. And... um, Some of you may remember or may know that uh, about seven weeks ago, my family and I returned from a five-week holiday, working holiday in the United States. And when we came back, we uh, said to everybody, we had a great time, it was a good mix of working and holiday, and the one word that described our holiday was smooth. Um, And I'm telling you that because what I'm about to say and about to share with you is anything but smooth. But I'm wanting to let you know that that I'm not calling my husband a liar because it actually was a smooth holiday. This was just one incident, something that happened that, again, I'm wanting to share with you because hopefully um, it'll do you good. You can laugh at my expense. You may cringe at my expense, but I'm trusting that you'll learn at my uh, expense. And um, in our five-week holiday, we had uh, travelled the east coast of the states. We ended up on the west coast where we uh, attended a conference at which Tony ministered in. And then we had five days of um, hanging and chilling with some friends of ours in LA. And then we came home via Hawaii. And when we were staying with friends of ours in LA, um, my little incident Occurred, And it was on the last day of our holiday there, our friends had gotten up, they'd gone off to work early. If you know LA and LA traffic, you're probably looking at an hour and a half drive to get anywhere. Um, and that doesn't matter whether it's 3am in the morning or 3pm in the afternoon or anywhere in between. There's traffic all the time and it's usually you know, long like that. So our friends had gone early, we'd said all of our goodbyes and we were busy uh, packing and getting organised. And Tony had gone outside and was packing the car, I'd packed the suitcases. He'd gone outside, he was putting the suitcases in the car and I was doing the obligatory last minute check. You know, ladies, where you go through and you open all the drawers to make sure you haven't, you know you haven't used the drawers, but you're just making sure you didn't put anything in there. You're under the bed, you're opening all the cupboards, you're just making sure I have not left anything behind. And Tony comes inside, he's been packing the car and he says to me, oh, the neighbour has just stuck his head over the fence and said to me, your dog is in trouble. And Tony's like, I don't have a dog. And he said, no, the dog in the house is in trouble. He's got himself caught up. So Tony comes inside, he's ready to grab the next suitcase and he happens to share that little bit of information with me. He says, oh, the guy next door let me know that the dog's in trouble. And so I say, oh, that's interesting because in my packing, I thought I'd heard this kind of whining, whimpering, like, so I was like, oh, and Tony's last words as he picked up the suitcase was, whatever you do, don't go outside. So I was like, cool, no problems. I go about my business, opening drawers, doing cupboards. I'm in the bedroom, which is right on to where the dog is outside. And all I can hear is this poor, tormented, tortured soul whining and whimpering because he's in trouble. And despite the warnings of my husband, despite his wisdom, I somehow think I've got this. So I go outside, warning number one. 
I go outside, as I open the door, I, I look outside and there is this poor dog, a husky dog who probably sits at about, well, I know he sits at about that high. He's uh, sitting there on his haunches. He's bent over because he's got the rope or the chain, whatever it was that was connecting him to his pole to give him some lead. He's been running around so much, he's got himself stuck. So he doesn't have any gap between where he can go, the rope tied to the pole and to his neck. And as I open the door and walk out there, I mean, his eyes, they just said, Kath, I'm in trouble. And I was like, dude, I feel your pain. And, you know, I looked at him and I was like, I got this. I can do this. And he's like, you're my Florence Nightingale. Like his ears were down. You know, when a dog is like, his ears were down and he was looking at me. And he was like, if only you would help me. I would be indebted to you all my life. And I was like, puppy, I can do that. So I start walking towards him. Soothingly, I'm saying, oh, my precious. Oh, you poor dear, don't worry. Superwoman is here. I can help you. I've seen this before. We can get over this. You are going to love me. So I'm talking nicely. I get up to this husky. I put my hand on his head. His ears are down. He looks at me. I'm like, buddy, we can do this. I said, you'll be fine. Let Mama Kath look after it. All right. And as I reach to get the rope that's around his neck, I remember I've got the rope. I move it once. I'm like, dude, Jiffy, in a jiffy, we'll be out. You'll be able to go tell your doggy friends about this hero. I'm like, we're going. And then all of a sudden, I hear a snarl. I see a flash of white ivory stalagmites. They're at my eye level. I feel a paw on my shoulder and I feel 200 pounds of ferocious flesh launching at me. I stumble back, squealing. Gone had been the nice mummy, I can do this. I am squealing like a pig. (laughs) The claws have gone dug into my shoulder. As I stumble back, I can't tell you whether it's claws or teeth that nip my hip. And as I lose my footing, because I've got work safety boots on, I'm in my thongs, I lose my footing on the ground and as I slide to the side, guess what? The dog lands a big chunk of my butt in his mouth. He has got me, and when I put my hand like that, that is the size of what he did. He has got me in his mouth. I am now screaming. I'm not squealing like a pig. I am screaming. I am trying to get away. He lets go. I am dragging myself back. I'm waiting for this next launch of him only to see him suddenly lurch because the rope that I thought was really tight has pulled him to a sudden um, halt. And he's now squealing because he's been choked by the rope. I get myself up. I run to the door, I open the sliding door, I run inside, I slam the door to see the terrified look of my eldest daughter and my husband. The first words out of my husband's mouth was, what on earth did you do? 
All I can remember saying was, my pants, my pants. <laughs> I had my very expensive, my favourite Lorna Jane tights on and I'm just going, my pants, my pants. And I, I mean, I'm bleeding, bleeding. And I look down and I can see just like the bite marks, the tears. And I'm going, my pants, my pants. And then I start to say, oh, maybe I can just dust them off. We'll just get going. <laughs> So it's a funny thing, uh, shock. I'm like, maybe we can just get going. And Tony's saying, I think you need to change your pants. And then suddenly I have the realisation, I think you're right. I actually think I wet them too. <laughs> so I go to the bathroom. No, serious, that's not even a joke. I'm serious. So I go to the bathroom. My suitcase is obviously still there. I find a pair of shorts. I pull, get dressed, get changed. We come out. We start to survey the damage and we're like, you know what, I actually need to go and get some medical help. And uh, we get in the car, we pack the rest of the car, we get in the car. And in America, the great thing is you go to the chemist, it's like a one-stop shop. So I went to the chemist to ask them, I thought, I need to get something to dress this first. I need to get some medication. I need to get some pain relief straight away. Um, possibly some anti-inflammatories. And I'm about to ask the lady, look, where do I go? Where's the nearest doctor? Because I think I need to get a tetanus because I don't know who else this guy's eaten. <laughs> but he certainly had a good go at me and I just need to make sure. So the great thing in America is they can do it on the spot. So I'm in the chemist, I get the tetanus injection, they dress my wound, they dope me up, they medicate me. And um, we get in the car and we head to uh, LA to catch a plane, I now have to fly five hours to get to Hawaii, to spend the next week in Hawaii on the beach with an ice pack on my butt and bruising from hip to knee. <laughs> I'm really, really attractive in a bikini, I can tell you. And for the next couple of days, the first couple of days after um, the attack, any time I closed my eyes, all I could see was the flash of that dog. I, you know, when I went to lay down to go to sleep, I'm haunted by visions of that. And um, even it's been seven weeks, so eight weeks now, I still have scarring and I still have tenderness. I cannot lay on that side of my leg. Now, I tell you that, probably a smidge, so you'll feel sorry for me. <laughs> right, just a smidge. But I tell you that because I believe that that actually is a modern day parable. You see, a parable is an account that illustrates an instruction or lesson or principle. And I believe that in my story, there's some, since I've sat back and thought about it and gone over it, I believe that there are some lessons that we can learn from in my story. Because we as believers here, part of our job on earth is to help people. It's what we've been left on earth to do. We're here, we've been told we've got a series at the moment, which is who do you think you are? One of those points is I'm the light of the world. And so we have an opportunity to shine the light of Jesus and help people and introduce people to Jesus. And sometimes I've discovered that when you help people, you can get hurt. Because what I've learned is that hurt people can hurt people. And when that happens, when we as believers and Christians decide that we want to make a difference, we want to get involved in people's lives, we want to help them, when that happens and we get hurt, there are two things and two possible choices that we do. One of them is that we instantly pull back. 
We build defences. We just decide, you know what, that hurt too much. I didn't appreciate it. I didn't like it. I didn't ask for it. I'm, the one thing I can um, agree on is I am never, ever doing that again. And that's not a great picture of what God has asked us to do. The other thing we can do is what I'm trying to help us with tonight is that we can assess what we did that went wrong. We can make the adjustments, we can learn from it and then we can try again on a better foundation. As we were driving away from the chemist, so you can imagine I'm padded up, drugged up, still shaking. I mean, the tension in the car, or it's not tension, but just the feeling in the car was one of, I suppose, disbelief. And we're driving into downtown LA and I'll never forget Tony said to me, just trying to break the silence. He goes, well, I'm sure there'll be a sermon in that sometime. So baby, tonight, here's the sermon. <laughs> just took me eight weeks to get over it. So important lessons that I learned. The first thing that I learned through my story is that we need to get proper perspective. I, had, I cannot get over it, around it, or under it. My husband emphatically said, do not go out there. Now that's not because Tony's a dog hater. It's because Tony actually had a better perspective. He wasn't, see what happened was, I'm in the house, I'm hearing the whining, the whinging, the complaining. My heart is bleeding for this dog. And that's not a bad thing. But I didn't have the perspective needed. I'd lost perspective because I was being drawn by my bleeding heart. Just like, but oh, And the problem is when we're talking about helping people, we should have a bleeding heart. We should have a heart of compassion and wanting to get involved and wanting to make help. But it's very important that we've got proper perspective. Because if you don't have proper perspective, you can be like me and forget what's rational, what's wisdom, what's needed in this situation. And we can be led by our emotions rather than if we've got people in our world who can come along and bring perspective and say, well, actually, you know what? That's not the smartest move right now. People who care, like I said, Tony didn't, he doesn't hate dogs. He was just like, you're insane. That dog does not know you. And so we just need to have people in our world where we can get proper perspective. I would have been much better The next time Tony came in the house to get the next suitcase going, babes, I am really struggling with hearing that dog. I feel I need to go out there. We could have talked it through. He would have brought the perspective perspective as to why not rather than me going in my perspective of why I should. And when he said, well, actually don't do that because this, this, this and this, I would have been able to go, actually, that makes sense. You've brought reason and you've brought sanity and you've brought safety into my situation so that now my perspective has changed. I've got proper perspective. I had a good perspective of care, but it wasn't the proper perspective that was needed for that situation. When we're talking about how to help people, you've got to get proper perspective. What is good here? And we have a saying here at Victory that we've used all the time, in light of is it wise? In light of the fact that dog does not know you, is it wise? In light of, is it wise? I needed to get proper perspective. What I learned was my bleeding heart resulted in a bleeding butt. (laughs) Yep. So your intentions may be noble, but if you don't get proper perspective, you also could get hurt. The second thing I learned was that one size doesn't fit all. You know what my rationale was? I've got a dog. Let me let you in on a little secret. I've got a Maltese Shih Tzu. He's 20 centimetres high and he's 30 centimetres long. 
and he'll lick you to death, not maul you to death. This was a husky. I said, he sat here. I'm like, one size doesn't fit all. I approached the situation, our dog in our house, I'm the favourite. But you know, I, I like to think it's because I'm the best, but it really is, it's because I feed it, I do everything for it. So no wonder the dog likes me. So I, well, I came in with that perspective, like I've got a dog, I've done this. Can I tell you one of the most dangerous things is actually experience. Because we get a little bit of experience, we get a little bit of success and we adopt a mentality that says, well, that worked for that, so that's the pattern. You've only got to go to bookshops. People get a bit of success in whatever their area of expertise is. They write a book, they do the media circus, they get on all the... Um, TV shows, the morning shows, it's like, hey, this is what it is. Here's the 12-step method. Here's the... It's like, you know what? There's not a one-size-fits-all. That may have worked for you. It could work for some others, but that's not the one and only way. When we're talking about helping people, there's not a one-size-fits-all. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. God's Word doesn't change. His principles don't change. But people are different. I worked in the dental industry for 11 years and there were standard things you could do, but there's, you're talking working with the human body. And some things you think, I've done everything like I would do for 99 other cases. I do not know why this one is not working. It's just the way it goes. Sometimes with human body, it's different. Everybody's different. And there may be a pattern, but we get in dangerous ground when we're talking about helping people that it's just a one size fits all. Possibly you've had uh, success in helping someone with an addiction, but there are many reasons why people have addictions. And you may have had success in helping this person with that, but you don't, if the next person comes along and you try and overlay what I did for them onto this situation, there's possibly a different reason why they've got that addiction and you're not addressing the issue. So when we're talking about how do we help people without ourselves getting hurt, let's not adopt the one-size-fits-all mentality. If you do... They may bite, and I'm telling you, it will hurt. All right. The third thing I learnt is you can't drive a three-ton truck over a one-ton bridge. I mistakenly thought, this dog knows me. The reality is I had been outside with this dog for two minutes with his owner because we went, he showed me the corn patch. They had a vegetable garden. We were talking about Bailey has a um, veggie garden. He was showing me his corn that he's growing in his backyard. Two minutes. I saw the dog from the distance. I waved, but you know what I did? We're like best buddies now. Me and the dog, yeah. But you know what? I was driving a three-ton truck over a one-ton, one-ton, one-ton Bridge. In fact, you know what? It wasn't even a bridge. It was probably a rope ladder. It was like I had overestimated our relationship. It's like, you know what? Me and the dog are tight. We're buddies. We're friends. I'm going to help him. I'm going to be the hero. The dog didn't know me from a bar of soap. And after he bit my butt, he realised it didn't even taste like a bar of soap. <laughs> to this day, I don't know the dog's name. I call him Cujo. Cujo is what I call him. <laughs> but I don't know his name, all right? So it's like we weren't really that close. So I drove a three-ton truck over a one-ton bridge. And when we get hurt in trying to help people, it's because we do the same. It's because we think, well, I've got some semblance of a relationship here and we want to bring a whole lot of truth over and we haven't done anything to build bridges and relationship that can carry the truth and the weight of which we're going to bring. 
I can do another message about people who've built three-ton bridges and don't only take one-ton trucks over, but that's a totally different side story, all right? We're talking the opposite tonight. Sometimes when we get hurt, it's because we've gone places with people we have no right to go. I'm, um, especially now, it's Christmas time, you're getting ready, you're at the shops a little bit more often, and I am appalled at some of the way I see kids from all sorts of ages, young, teenagers, the way they interact and speak to their parents. I mean, you're lining up in checkouts. I'm seeing little kids where they chuck a tantrum, they're whacking mum. They're doing all sorts of things that I personally would not put up with with my kids. I see the way they speak back to their parents. It's just like, but you know what? If I'm standing in a line and there's a child carrying on with her parent, his parent, it's not my place to go, excuse me, love, but that's really no way to speak to you. I'm telling you what will happen. The mother or the father will turn on me because it's instantly I'm having a go at their parenting. But let me tell you this. If that's one of my friends who I'm doing life with, we have relationship and I've noticed that, you know what, the way that their children interact with them, I might start to drive a three-ton a one-ton truck across a three-ton bridge. I might just sit down. Now, I'm not going to come straight in and go, But you know what? I'll have a conversation. I'll steer the conversation as to, hey, because you know what? They may not be aware. They could be so busy. They're so inundated. They're struggling with stuff. They have just turned off. They may want help in that area. They just don't know how. And so that I would have a conversation then based on the fact that they're aware of it, but they just feel helpless in having the knowledge and the skill to do it. That'll determine one type of conversation. If in the questioning and chatting and getting to know, I find out actually they're even clueless, it changes the conversation. It depends on what you drive over the bridge. But the key is I've got a bridge. I didn't have a bridge with the dog. I thought in my head we were best buddies, but no, no, we weren't. We're helping can hurt us when we overestimate the reality of our relationships. When we drive a three-ton truck over a one-ton bridge. What else did I learn? Together, everyone achieves more. Do you know, to this day, I could have helped that dog without going outside. I just had to ring the owners. I just had to make a phone call and say, by the way, hey Mike, it's Kath, guess what? Your dog's in, the neighbours let us know, your dog's in trouble. What do you want to do about it? I just had, I would have helped Together, everyone achieves more. When I find people get into trouble when they're helping people and they get hurt, it's because we haven't known our limitations. I didn't understand my limitations. I had no clue or concept that the dog didn't know me and he saw me as a threat. But I still could have helped him if I'd made the phone call. As team, we've got to know our limitations. It's great to have a heart that wants to help people, but you need to know what are your strengths? What are you good at? And then know those who you can point them to. I'm all for marriage counselling. I'm all for this counselling. But sometimes people can come into my world at a certain level, but then there has a time where I say, you know what? I know someone who can really help you in this situation. I can love on you. I can pray for you. I can maybe help in practical ways that we can bring meals or whatever it is, but you need a specific help in this area and I know just the person. For me to take that on board won't help them and it won't help me. Because what happens if I give wrong advice, I give unhelpful advice, 
advice. What do they do? They turn on me and they've got every right because I've been in the wrong place. I've underestimated my ability. Whereas team, together everyone achieves more. I point them to the right direction. They get freed and I also am freed. I'm not feeling bad or guilty that I've done the wrong thing there. So together everybody achieves more. We have to remember that you are not the Saviour. Jesus is our Saviour. Our job is to point people towards Him. I have keys, I have skills, I have some information. There's some things I can tell you, but I cannot save you. But I can point you to other people who can come alongside and together we can help you with your relationship with God. We can help you work some of these things out. All right, but I can't do it on my own. The worst, here's the key. The worst thing that would have happened is if I'd rung the owner and they were like, well, we're not getting back till six o'clock at night, leave him be, was that the dog would have had six hours of being uncomfortably chained. But what happened was I've had six weeks and ongoing of uncomfortability because I didn't understand that together everybody achieves more. If you step beyond your reality, your comfort, not comfort zone, but your gift zone, there's a chance that you will get hurt. The other thing that I learned is that wounds need tending. When you've been hurt, you've said, you know what, I want to help someone, I want to get involved, I want to do it. When you've been hurt, you're wounded. And we have to actually attend to that wound. I had to go and get a tetanus shot to protect me from whatever was on that dog's fangs. I had to go and get it dressed because it was oozing and bleeding and we needed it to heal. I had to um, get some like betadine stuff just again for infection getting in. I had to have antibiotics. I had to have anti-inflammatory because I mean that thing, um, it was a good thing that big butts are in at the moment. I was like, I'm in. (laughs) So I had to have anti-inflammatories and I had to ice that sucker every hour for half an hour for the whole week we were in Hawaii. Most people go to the ice machine in the hotel to put their um, drinks in. I'm going there with bags to shove it on my butt. So you have to tend your wounds. If I had just left it, if I'd just gone, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it's not there, it's not real, it could have got really nasty. I don't know what infections were on those dog's teeth. I don't know what could have happened, just, you know, whatever. If I'd left it, And I'm here to let you know that if you've been hurt, if you've put your hand up and said, you know what, I've tried to be involved in someone's life, I've tried to help people and I got hurt from it, can I tell you, your wounds need tending. You just need to acknowledge it. And say, you know what, I'm just hurt. If you're in the beginning of that, just, you know what, actually when you said about you've built walls, you've built a theology, you've built a philosophy, you've built all these things so that you don't have to be involved, just admit it. Just go, you know what, God, that's it. The light should shine on you tonight to say, wow, I've just built a wall. I got hurt. I'm just acknowledging that. When you acknowledge it, then healing can come. You seek medical attention. Go to God. Lord, help me in this area. Go to some leaders, some trustworthy people to say, how can I overcome this? What do I need to do? Get your wounds dressed so that healing can come. Sixthly, what I learned was once bitten, twice shy. 
The next few nights, and I've never experienced this before, but the next few nights and even days, just when I would lay down and close my eyes, instantly I would see the flash. So I I never told Tony this until I think the second or third week we were back here in Adelaide. So I would lie down at night and I would feel myself jump and open my eyes because I could just see. I don't remember much. I can just remember flashes and obviously what happened. But I'd close my eyes and I would see that. And I had to get to that point where I had to take captive every thought. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says, take captive every thought and make it obedient to God. I had to talk scripture to myself. I laid in that bed and I kept saying in 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but He gave me a spirit of love, of power and a sound mind. I went to Philippians 4, 18 and I said, you know what, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is true, whatever is noble, these things I would think on. And at the midnight hour when I was laying in bed and everyone was asleep and every time I closed my eyes, I'd see that flash, I had to talk to myself. And there's a big difference between self-talk and talking to yourself. And we've heard it said that self-talk is when you talk to yourself at 1,200 words a minute. I'm no good, I'm not this, I'm not that. So we hear someone talking to us and then we interpret it and we self-talk. And I had to make sure I wasn't self-talking. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Why didn't I listen to Tony? Blah, blah, blah. Why didn't I do this? Now I've ruined the holiday. Blah. I had to talk to myself. I had to say, you know what? I cannot change what I did. That's gone, that's finished. As, you know what? If I could have changed it, would I? Of course I would have, but I can't. Because I'm not God and I can't change time. I can't go back. I don't have a DeLorean or any of those things needed to go back in time. Sorry, that's an 80s film. You won't even get it over there, all right? But you know what? I had to talk to myself. I just say, you know what? I will not let a spirit of fear. I will not let this rob me. I want to have peace. I want to have joy. My family deserve better than this. Not only did I talk to myself, but you know what? I just prayed and asked God. I said, God, you help me. God, every time I close my eyes, I do not want to live in fear of this. I want to go back to our little puppy. And I don't want every time I look at him, see Cujo, I want to see little Tobias. I had, if I let my fearful thoughts rule, it would have robbed me of sleep. It would have robbed me of peace. It really would have robbed me of enjoyment of our puppy. And I see people do that all the time. They've been hurt by helping people and when they don't get over it, once bitten, twice shy, if they do not talk to themselves, they'll rob themselves of peace, they'll rob themselves of sleep and they'll rob themselves of the enjoyment of making a difference in someone's life. It is a joy to help people. It really is. And yes, sometimes it bites. But you know what? There's some keys here tonight for us to learn. What have I done that caused that attack rather than they just did it? And so if we can be, um, talk to ourselves and recognise, you know what, I am not going to let this rob me. Whatever you have tried to do and that you've been bitten, you need to take captive that thought. Yes, that person hurt me. Yes, that person responded badly, but that doesn't mean the next one will. You've got a responsibility to say, I'm taking captive that thought. I will not overlay that onto the next situation that God has placed me because people deserved to be helped. People want answers. People need answers. And I and you have them. If you don't take captive those thoughts, your fears will rule and you will be affected. And the sad thing is, not only you, but all of those. Imagine getting to heaven and God saying, you know what, you could have done all this if only you had dealt with that. All these people you could have helped set free, all these people that could have been done if you had got over yourself. This isn't about you keeping it to yourself. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect anyone. It affects everyone. It filters through who you are. 
Oh, move along. Once bitten, twice shy. And then finally, what did I learn? You just got to get back on the horse. When you've been hurt, the temptation, as I said earlier, is just to pull back. But you know what? I didn't want a fear of dog, fear of dog, a fear of dogs to ruin my world. Because if it did, it would hinder my relationship. I wanted to go back to our little puppy. And you might go, well, that's cool because he's little and big. No, you know what? It's a fear of dogs. I walk our dog every day. And sometimes with Tony, and occasionally there's times without Tony, and even now, it's all right if I walk past a little dog on a lead with um, someone else, it's cool, but it's when you see those bigger dogs and then you see them and you're thinking, that owner really doesn't have too much control of that. Something in me rises and you find yourself tensing up. You find yourself moving a bit further to the side. You find yourself doing... But you've got to get back on the horse. I refuse to let that ruin me. I want to walk to Bias every morning. I, want, I went to the dog park and that was cool the first time. We went up to the dog park and yes, I was a little bit nervous and a little bit, all things I really, I never expected. Because I just thought, I didn't think it had that much of an effect on me. But when I went to the dog park, I thought, I'm sweating. My hands are sweating and I'm, I'm a little bit anxious. So I set myself up for a win. I didn't go by myself. And I didn't just go with the kids. I said, Tony, you're coming with me to the dog park because you're going to protect me. And the first time it was cool. The second time we went to the dog park, guess what? Not one, two huskies. And I'm like, <laughs> suddenly everything really tightened. It's <laughs> like, but you know what? Setting yourself up for the wind, I didn't, uh, wind, setting yourself up for the wind. I was like, I didn't approach the husky. Learn something. <laughs> don't go near the husky. It's like, just be wise. But you've got to get back on the horse. If you don't get back on the horse, you will be robbed and so will those around you. You need to set yourself up for the win. When helping has hurt you, you need to look at why it happened, make the adjustment, get the treatment and get back to it. Now, musos, if they want to come up. As I said in the beginning, Hurt people, hurt people. It's just the way it is. And I would love to be able to tell you that you, if you've been hurt in the past, that you're never going to be hurt again. I can't guarantee that. I can't even guarantee that I'm not going to personally hurt you. People hurt people. It's just the way it is. It's what are we going to do with that fact? But I'm believing that what I've shared with you, you'll be able to look at your situations and go, you know what, in that situation, I actually did something wrong. I actually took a three-ton truck over a one-ton bridge. Actually, I worked without my gifting zone. I could have used that team analogy. Actually, you know what, I applied a one-size-fits-all. Or actually, you know what, I just didn't get the perspective I needed. And if you're here tonight and you have been hurt, then get your wounds healed. Get them tended, get them looked to. Take it to God and say, God, I, I, I see the lights come on and I see that's what I've done. Take it to God. If you're struggling and your fear of holding back or getting involved is because well, once bitten, twice, I don't want to go through it again. Can I t- encourage you, take captive every thought. Take cap, it doesn't have to be that way. And can I encourage you, get back on the horse. Because if we the church and if we as believers don't let this world know that we can help them, if we stand aloof because we don't want to get hurt, what hope do they have? 
Jesus said that they felt for the world because they were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless. That describes our world today. And we have the opportunity to get involved. Maybe you've been hurt. But can I encourage you, when helping hurts, do what's necessary so that you can get over yourself and continue to help again. My prayer is, as I finish, that my story... I wanted it to be that my pain would be indeed your gain. Thank you and amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 